Hey everyone, welcome to Reformed Podmatics, hosted by the pastors of Almond Valley Christian Reformed Church in Ripon, California. It's Pastor Mark Van Dyke and Pastor Zach Dewey, and this podcast exists to promote the vibrant, biblical, and historically informed face of Reformed theology, both in our context and beyond. Hello, everybody, and welcome back. This is episode 41 of Reformed Podmatics on Christian education. I am Pastor Zach. And I'm Pastor Mark. And today we're going to be diving into something we've been talking about sort of uh, here and there throughout other episodes previous to this one, uh, especially with the episode from uh, or on youth ministry with Pastor Patrick from Escalon CRC. And so to talk about youth or to talk about Christian education today, we have a special guest. Uh, our special guest hails from Ripon Christian. He is the the principal of the high school, and his name is Joe Venema. So, Joe, tell us a little bit about yourself, what brought you to Ripon, and what your role is at the school. Yeah, so thanks, first of all, for having me. Uh, I am a big fan of your podcast. I <laughs> uh, listened to a lot of them and have really enjoyed them and benefited from them. Uh, I'm in my third year at Ripon Christian. I serve actually as the upper, we call it the upper school principal, okay. uh, which is grades 6 through 12. Oh, okay. um, Kevin Shank is our lower school principal, and then Eric Cigar is the superintendent of the whole system. Okay. So I'm in my third year at RC. Um, actually came here from uh, serving as an administrator at a Christian school in Iowa, which is kind of where my roots are. Uh, prior to that, I taught high school history for 14 years at uh, mm-hmm. several different Christian high schools. Mm-hmm. Um, really came to Ripon uh, because I was looking to get back into more of an upper school, high school setting. I was a K-8 principal in mm-hmm. Iowa, which was great. But again, my roots as a teacher were more in a mm-hmm. high school setting. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw the job advertised. Um, uh, actually, I'm a Dort grad. And uh, when I was at Dort, I had some great friends from the Ripon area, uh, mm. Oakdale, Escalon, yeah. and I had been out here before, uh, knew the community a little bit, but was very intrigued when I saw the job advertised and uh, had some conversations with uh, Eric Cigar and a few other people. And, and that was enough to make my wife and I want to come visit and mm-hmm. kind of went from there. So uh, it's been a great experience. Uh, really enjoy Ripon Christian. I have three kids that attend the school as well, and uh, it's been a real blessing for them. Cool. Mm. Well, I can also just say it's been really good getting to know you over the last few years. We've been here almost the same length. I've been here for now four years, and so it's been cool to see how you've moved the school and your leadership and getting to know you as a friend mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so um, I guess we could jump into the topic at hand, which is Christian education. And in our context here in Ripon and a lot of Reformed influence, Christian education is often— a bit of a given, you might say, among many Christian Reformed churches, uh, particularly those of a more theologically traditional persuasion. Mm-hmm. But uh, we have a lot of listeners who are not Christian Reformed and who come from non-denominational, broadly evangelical, mm-hmm. even other um, sects of the Christian faith, uh, Catholic, Orthodox. And so Christian education um, is, a, is a different kind of topic to, to think about and discuss, particularly as it relates to discipleship in those contexts. Right. Um, so for that type of listener, Joe, how would you say um, we think of things as Reformed Christians and how that relates to particularly Christian day school education? Hmm. 
Yeah, I think that's that's a great foundational question. Um, and I would say even within um, Reformed churches, Christian Reformed churches, uh, I don't think that Christian education anymore is as much mm. of a given as yep. maybe it used to be. That's true. I've, uh, I've heard stories from people a generation or two ago saying that schools could pretty much predict their kindergarten enrollment by mm. going to their local CRCs and finding out how many kids were baptized. <laughs> and they knew that pretty much all those kids would be coming to the Christian school in five years, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. If 25 kids baptized, we're going to have a K class of 25 in five oh. years. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think that's the case anymore. I think you're seeing more people, even within Reformed churches, that have a, a history of supporting Christian education, considering public education, mm-hmm. maybe, um, considering homeschooling, mm-hmm. um, or just looking at other options. So I think it's incumbent upon us uh, as Christian school teachers, administrators, supporters, that we're able to articulate kind of the why. Like, mm-hmm. why are we doing these yeah, things beyond sure. just the fact that my mom and dad went to the Christian school and we kind of had a good experience there, and mm-hmm. I know a lot of people there. Like, what's the real rationale? So. Um, I always, I jokingly say, so my dad's a pastor, my grandpa's a pastor. They're not inclined toward giving concise answers to questions. I'm not either. And I think my I quoted could, your dad in a sermon recently. Really? Uh, yeah. Good. Yeah. Well, <laughs> bonus points for you. Um, I but found you, that out afterwards. <laughs> my, uh, my, my teachers could probably tell you too, like Venema will give a, uh, probably a longer answer to a question than is sometimes necessary. So um, I guess I would just say two things, you know, when you think about the foundation of Christian schools, kind of the why. And, and the first mm-hmm. one is, I think, a theological kind of a doctrine in the Bible, the doctrine of the covenant. I always go back to the doctrine of the covenant when it comes mm. to Christian education. Yeah. And I know uh, theologians define the covenant differently, and there's nuances, and I won't get into all that. But the way I kind of look at the covenant in Scripture is that it's a relationship um, between God and his people, mm. right? It's a relationship of love, affection. There's two sides. God makes certain promises to us. I will be your God. Mm. Uh, we have certain responsibilities to the Lord within that covenant framework. And one of the beautiful things I think about the doctrine of the covenant is that it is formed with believers and with their children. So we don't view our children as like little heathens or somehow outside mm. the covenant, but God yeah. forms the covenant with us and with our kids. Mm. Um, and one of my responsibilities, I have three children, is to raise my children within that covenant relationship so that they are raised to know the Lord and love the Lord in every aspect of life. And there's a lot of scripture that gets into Deuteronomy 6, a great passage, yep. you know, teach these things to your children. Yep. Uh, when you're sitting at home, when you're going about your day, like this stuff should always be in front of your kids. Mm. Uh, Psalm 78 kind of says, you know, don't hide these things from your children, but tell them to the next generation. Hmm. Uh, Ephesians 6, you know, fathers, bring your children up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. So I think that's the first thing I would say is you know, Christian education flows very naturally from this idea of a covenant relationship with God. And I think the second thing that I always come back to when I, especially when I talk to parents who are visiting RC maybe for the first time or coming on a tour or exploring enrollment at RC is that parents are the primary teachers of their kids. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, I always tell the mom and dad, like, you are the first and most important teachers of your children. And that will always be true, right? Mm -hmm. But that doesn't mean that you are called to uh, educate your children completely on your own Mm -hmm. or in isolation from Mm -hmm. everybody else, right? You're not... I have one of my pastors used to always say, you know, we're not called to be Lone Ranger Christians, right? Mm, we're part yeah. of a we're part of a community. Mm. And I think that's where the Christian school comes in, right? We are in a partnership with Christian parents with the goal of teaching young people, training young people to know and love the Lord. And there's all kinds of implications of that, but those are kind of the two f- fundamental things I would say. Yeah, I I was um I was reading a 
a sermon on the Heidelberg Catechism on um, the Fifth Commandment, honor your father and mother. And um, this it was an old sermon, which I sometimes appreciate, those old sermons, how they will often deal with different types of topics. And yeah. the pastor started getting into Christian education under that commandment because he was noting a lot of what you just did, that it is the first responsibility of the parent to train the children. But um, in terms of schooling, the pastor said, the parent must have uh, confidence as they delegate authority to the teacher and to administrators that that authority will be respectable and will care for their children in a godly Christian way. And so I think that's a pretty watertight case to be made uh, in, a lot of, in a lot of ways for Christian education that as I send my children to Rip and Christian, I know I have total trust that what they're learning there is trustworthy, is, is good, um, is going to build their faith up. And therefore, I can say to them, obey your teachers, uh, listen to your teachers. And of course, I would say the same thing if they were going to the public school, that they should obey and listen to their teachers. But there's a certain, yeah. there's an extra level of trust um, between parents, teachers, administrators, um, when we are seeing things biblically, uh, seeing them according to scripture. So, Yeah, th- th- this is an interesting conversation for me because I grew up <laughs> in public schools my whole life, all the way through college. When I, where I went to Fresno State, and so it, it sort of caught me off guard when I was in the process of candidating for Ammon Valley. One of the questions in the interview process was, what are your thoughts on Christian education? Yeah. And I thought to myself, what do they want to hear, <laughs> and what <laughs> yeah. are my honest thoughts? <laughs> I actually didn't know that for the CRC uh, that there was such a tight connection to Christian education, and so I just said, you know, I've, I've seen Christian education actually not be a very good thing in a community. So Mm. I had a lot of friends who went to a local Christian school, which was basically a Mennonite school. uh, And it really just became like the elite school for the wealthier, uh, more culturally homogenous white students in the area. And Mm. uh, they, I remember they had a lot of chants at basketball games about how we're superior to you. And I always thought, well, that sounds racist. Uh, even as a white person listening to that, mm-hmm. I was just really caught off guard. And so that and they didn't have a good reputation. A lot of the students there were not living out their Christian lives very well, if at all. And so I always had a bad taste in my mouth. But I also knew that Christian education can be better than that. It has mm-hmm. to be able to be better than that. And so it's been an interesting experience here where I it's a, it's a very different kind of school uh, from what I can tell. Uh, from the outside in, and there's a very, very different approach and philosophy, but um, maybe that's something we could also dig into a little bit. Yeah. Does the Christian school guarantee that your your child will be a strong, faithful Christian, you know, for the rest of your life? Yeah. Some people may think of Christian schools as being like, if I send my kid here, they're going to... Train a child up in the way it should go. It. Yeah, yeah, they're yeah. going to do what, what I don't want to do as a parent, and so I think we could all probably agree there. No. (laughs) Sending your kid to a Christian school doesn't guarantee everything, but it should be a part of the sort of economy of, 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 of God's rule in their life. And so, um, Hmm. we could also then think about what is the relationship between, we've touched on it a little bit, I think, Joe, but between churches Mm -hmm. and families and schools, something I struggle with as a youth pastor with where 
the vast majority of my students that I have in my programs uh, are ripping Christian kids. They already know so much. What what is my role? Mm. So how do those three things fit together? Uh, what is the role of the parent? What is the role of the teacher? And then what is the role of the pastor in the life of a young person? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, one other thing, um, if I can kind of go back to our earlier, and then I'll, sure. I'll try to answer that question. But <laughs> um, one of the things I've always appreciated uh, in my church tradition, we we are we believe in infant baptism, mm-hmm. and that's always a special you know special service where a family presents their child to be baptized and part of this covenant community, right? Uh, I always appreciate the the promises that parents make when they mm-hmm. present their their son or daughter for baptism. I'm going to raise my children in the doctrine of this church, right? Yeah. Um, and then, at least in the churches I've been in, there's always a question posed to the congregation as well, mm-hmm. right? Like, do you promise to assist these parents and assist this child as as they kind of go through uh, together? And you know, we answer hopefully in the affirmative. Yeah, we're part of this community together. Uh, and I think that's I think that's really critical as well. Like I, I, I'm always a little hesitant to use this example, but because it's associated with a, a polarizing political figure, it, it takes a village, right? Yeah. So people kind of <laughs> bristle sometimes. Certain people when they hear that, but mm-hmm. I think there is something to that. Like yeah. we're we're called, and that's where to get to your question. You know, you've got the very important role of parents, which I talked about. The church also plays an extremely important role in the lives of young people, and then the school. So. The, the picture that I always use when I talk to parents who are coming in for, we have new family interviews, and we've had a lot this year at RC, a lot mm-hmm. of interest in the school, mm-hmm. um, is just the three-legged stool. You've probably heard that before, but yeah. you know, picture a stool with three legs. The child's maybe seated on the stool, being supported. Each of those legs is really important, right? You want one is, is the home, one is the church, and one is the school. You want them all to be strong. Um, you want basically what the kid hears at school to be very much the same, very similar to what they hear at home and in the church. And, you know, that helps the child, I think, be to grow and be nurtured in the faith. Now, there are distinct roles. I mean, I, I don't think it'd be appropriate for, you know, I, I was in a school years ago where there was a lot of concern that a lot of our kids weren't going to church on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Like their families weren't making that a priority. They were in our school. We were a covenantal school. So yeah. kind of the expectation was that they weren't going to church, but right. the reality was different, Right. Uh, we estimated that maybe a third of our kids were not consistently going to church. So what do we do about that? Well, one solution that was proposed was we need to hire a chaplain and make our chapels almost into like worship services, oh, right? Yeah. Uh, and I, I kind of get the thinking behind that. Become the church in Right, a way. sort of become, yeah. because they're, they don't have this. This is the only opportunity for these kids to get this, right? Sure. Um, so I, I, I got the thinking or the logic behind it, but I was concerned by the fact that that's maybe not really the role of the school. Mm. Like, we, if anything, yeah. we need to be encouraging these families to be faithful to the promises they made when they enrolled at the school mm-hmm. um, to, to do that. And, you know, so it wouldn't be appropriate for us to, uh, I don't believe, administer the Lord's Supper, sure. <laughs> you know, at, during yeah. the school day. That happened that, at my high school, <laughs> and there was quite an outrage from some of the other teachers, um, Christian Reform teachers, who were like, uh, that just happened? No, no, that shouldn't happen <laughs> with our, all our students. Um so yeah, to your point. Yeah. So they, I, yeah. I mean, I think that that's specifically been given to the church and not to the school. There are other things yeah. that are specifically responsibilities specifically given to parents, and there's mm-hmm. a tension there, honestly, because sometimes oh, yeah. the school I think feels pressure to take on more and more. Mm-hmm. I think of of really responsibilities that belong primarily to the church or primarily to parents, and yeah. we have to kind of wrestle through that. I don't necessarily have 
all the answers on the proper role of the school. But I think to get to your question, <laughs> you know, there should be um, a cooperative spirit between each of those three maybe institutions in the lives of a child. Because I think, you know, I'm a, pro I'm a product of it. And as mm -hmm. I look back on my own life, I might have been in my 20s before I realized that this was all good for me. <laughs> yep. But now I realize, boy, it was really good that I, I had that Christian school background, that my parents mm. made church a priority, and that mom and dad, you know, when we sat around the dinner table, we talked about our faith, mm. like, and it was just a natural sort of thing, and I, I want that very much for my own kids. Yeah, that <laughs> reminds me of what my experience in seminary. It was, maybe this was just me coming from a public school background, and a lot of my fellow seminary classmates did as well, but a good portion of them had come from Christian education. Uh, being that we were in Orlando, a, a few of them would come from Reformation Bible College, R.C. Sproul's College in Sanford, which was just about 15 minutes north. Hmm. Uh, and so they would come, and I always would feel like, man, these kids who've had this strong Christian education background come into seminary really ready to hit the ground running mm. and their seminary education takes them like 20 miles farther, you know, than it takes me. That's, that's, that's sort of how I would put it. I felt like I was just taking baby steps, learning all this remedial stuff in seminary that I felt like, man, I should have learned this as a middle schooler, as a high schooler, uh, certain ways that the Bible fits together and mm -hmm. how it can be read as a as a grand whole, uh, as one, one story for me, I grew up going to church, you know, once or twice a week, I go on Sundays, go on Wednesdays or whatever it was. And you, I'd memorize Bible verses, but I had no idea how the Bible fit together. For me, it was just a bunch of sporadic stories and trite sayings. Mm -hmm. And so I had no perspective that sort of, uh, helped me put it together. Mm -hmm. And so I always thought, man, if I had had that sort of education, this would have, it would have served me a lot uh, in those years in particular, but really throughout my entire life. Uh, well, and Christian, particularly evangelical Christianity, has become so segmented. Mm -hmm. um, even thinking about like a typical worship service or um, a pastor's sermon series is so topical now mm -hmm. um, in so mm -hmm. many churches and traditions that people aren't really going to get the full breadth of Scripture in church. Yeah, um, oh, yeah. which of course it should be happening there firstly, um, in the home as well. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, sort of on the flip side of that, the, the sort of syncretized approach of the reformed view, um, which says we're going to look at Genesis to revelation. We're going to, for example, preach through the catechism, which is going to cover all kinds of different topics. The 10 yeah. commandments, the Lord's prayer, the apostles creed, um, hopefully, preaching an expository sermon series of whole books of the Bible. Mm -hmm. um, it's just going to be more syncretized, uh, both um, in church, in sermon series, and sort of across the lives of young people who are going to be hearing um, sermons all the way through, Ex like we preached all the way through Exodus mm -hmm. and Ezra and um, the Gospel of Mark. We're about two-thirds of the way through that in our church. Um, and... I do think that is one one thing that young people particularly need is a a system to to view life through, not just yeah. not just topics hmm. topics that the pastor covers from time to time of be nice and um, listen to God's grace and here's a thing on forgiveness, um, but like what is this whole Bible story about? What is even life itself all about? Yeah, um, that's part of evangelism, I think, in a lot of ways too. Is to present to the world a life system mm 
mm-hmm. not just a few answers to some of the questions that people could face here and there in their life, but like Rosaria Butterfield in um, The Gospel Comes with the House Key talks about how she's interacting with this Presbyterian pastor, and um, she noticed how how seamless his life was, how mm-hmm. in the home they sang songs, and they would also do that in church, and they would talk mm-hmm. um, kindly about people wherever they go, and she comes from a world that is so segmented where she was a professor um, of literature at Syracuse University, yeah. and so when she was with her colleagues, she would talk badly about students. When she was with the students, she would talk um, sort of in a very professional way to try to impress them. When she was at home, she would um, do whatever she wants in a, a hmm. different kind of way, and it was just all these segments that yeah. really fracture people's view of the world or maybe even of themselves. Hmm. And so Christian education can kind of be a way to prepare students to look at the world with, with one seamless um, narrative or, or yeah. paradigm. Uh, yeah. and, and they just sort of live in that. Right? So it's not like one lesson that brings it all together for them, but they just live in this world of prayer at home, prayer at school, prayer at church, mm-hmm. singing at school, singing at home, singing at church, um, yeah. doctrine in all three places, and that's just life. Mm-hmm. And, and it's appealing, I would guess, to, to young people. So. so that is how sort of the school fills the function of the village, which yeah. for Reformed theology would be the, the, the covenant community. That is the village. And so we all see ourselves together. We could also think, too, when we, when we make those vows as Christians when a baby is baptized in any of our churches, that we're not just making vows to this particular child, but to any child being baptized in, in any church around here. Um, so here at Ammon Valley or at Emmanuel CRC, First Church in town or Zion or at any other church, we're, we're, we should see ourselves as a broader community. And I think in this way, we don't have to get quite into the conversation, but Ripon in some sense is sort of like, and with Ripon Christian being a huge part of it, it's sort of like a Benedict community, yeah. Benedict Bethany option home, community. Bethany home as well on the <laughs> other side way. of that. Yeah. Um, but then that leads to the next conversation I think we can get into a little bit more is, uh, why send your kid to a Christian school? Is it simply to prevent them from learning things that you don't want them to learn? I, I, I get the feeling that that is why a lot of people send their, their children to Christian schools. This isn't just Ripon Christian, but just in my experience pre- previously to moving here, that was sort of the feeling I got. It was parents that didn't want their kids to learn about the LGBTQ uh, movement or they didn't want their kids to learn about evolution or things like that. Are those good reasons to not send your kid to a public school, or should it should we send our kids to a Christian school for far different reasons? Hmm. Yeah, I think uh, those are conversations that I have with uh, especially uh, new families at Rip and Christian all the time, uh, because this year we have had a lot of new students come in. Uh, some of them have come from schools that have been in distance learning pretty much oh, yeah. the entire year. And there was, there's kind of a weariness with that. Right. And yeah. they want their kids very much back in a brick and mortar school. Right. Mm. Um, there are other parents who have maybe been a little more observant of some of the curriculum that their kids are going through because their kids are at home, you know, doing these zoom lessons mm-hmm. and parents are there and, They've been maybe a little concerned by things they're seeing or hearing, and Mm -hmm. then that's maybe made them 
desirous of at least considering a place like RC. Um, I think again, there's there's a there's a tension in your question, and it's one that I wrestle with too. Like I have young children, mm-hmm. and there are things that I think uh, I would not want my second grade daughter to be exposed to in school, mm-hmm. right? Uh, there are things that my seventh grade son, I think, is probably more equipped to process and yeah. think through. So there has to be a level of developmental appropriateness. But I would say to get to your question, like I don't, I don't believe the fundamental purpose of a school like Rip and Christian or a Christian school is primarily to shelter students from mm-hmm. the world. Okay. Um, again, it doesn't mean we throw them into the deep end when they're in second grade. Yeah. But I think what we want is to, within the context of a Christian school, Christian parents, Christian teachers begin to look at the world, which we know is sinful and broken, Mm -hmm. but it's the world we live in, (laughs) and critique it, look at it through the lens of Scripture, right? The spectacles of Scripture. So I have a lot of confidence in my science teachers to lead the students through a discussion of evolutionary theory Mm -hmm. and subject it to critique. Because what I would hate to see happen, honestly, is a kid graduate from Rip and Christian who's never studied evolution, let's say, Mm -hmm. go to college, fall under the sway of a very intelligent professor in yeah. college and mm-hmm. think, well, what in the world did I believe when I was going to this Christian school? Mm-hmm. That was ridiculous. Mm-hmm. I want them to be equipped, right? Yeah. You know, the Christian school is, it's its not just about the future, but in a certain sense, it's a training ground mm-hmm. for kids. And we don't really do our students justice if we we don't prepare them mm-hmm. for the world yeah. that they're in. So there's not a, you know, the, the Anabaptist view is kind of a world flight mm-hmm. perspective. I don't right. think that's fundamentally what Christian school should be about. On the other hand, there's there's the danger of swinging the pendulum too far to the other side, yeah. which is more of a maybe world conformity, or we're just mm-hmm. going to dive into the things of the world without. So again, when I was in college, I went to a great college, so not being too critical, but there was a lot of emphasis on like redeeming creation. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, mm-hmm. they want Christians to live actively in all these spheres of life, very Kuyperian, every yeah. square inch kind of. Sure. Uh, Christians should go into Hollywood, they should go into politics, they should, and I agree with that, like we mm-hmm. should go into mm-hmm. all these different areas. But I think the danger is, what I see sometimes happening is Christians go into these areas and they don't necessarily maintain a faithful presence there. Mm-hmm. They, in a sense, capitulate to the culture around them. And so we've got to train students. I like the language of faithful presence, personally. Mm-hmm. I don't know who coined that phrase. I've heard it used before. Mm-hmm. I'm a little leery of transformational kind of language sometimes. I'm also leery of like the world is totally evil. Like Stay away from it, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, but I think the idea of going out and being a faithful presence in the law firm where you work or in the school where you work or as a Christian plumber or electrician or whatever it is you're called to, mm-hmm. uh, because I think that is, uh, I think that is what we're called to. So, yeah, yeah. That's, this is a huge conversation. That's not just about Christian education, but it's really about how do you Christians engage the world in a, yeah. in a broader way. And so then Christian education can fall under that. Uh, I think you said it right. There, there seems to be two sort of polar opposite views that we, one person might say we educate our kids at a Christian school because we're trying to get them away from the world. And then another might say we educate them for the world. Um, and, but sometimes educating your, your student at a Christian school for the world can get a bit muddied uh, and it can not really be helpful for anyone and particularly for your student. Uh, so this really is the broader conversation that we in the reformed world often refer to as the, the, the discussion between Kyperianism and two kingdoms theology. Yeah. Um, we've tried to get into that a little bit in episodes past, so we don't need to rehash it here. Uh, but that's sort of the fault lines. And I think that for me, I don't, I don't know 
all perfect theory about Christian education, <laughs> which is why it's helpful to have you on, Joe. But <laughs> not that you know everything either. <laughs> but <laughs> but I think as a baseline, yeah, we should want our kids to learn about. We should want our kids to learn about LGBTQ. We should want our kids to learn about evolution and be really prepared. And we don't want to uh, underprepare them. We don't want to also just make them yeah, like the world or conform to it. So I, 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 as a youth pastor, I try to be as open with the kids and as honest with them about any question that they have. Mm. Um, and so I just, I tell them, ask big questions, ask those questions that are really difficult and be prepared to think through difficult answers. Um, and so I, I sort of think of that as being a traditional Kyperian approach, I guess. Uh, There's sort of the newer versions of Kyperianism that can sometimes get, I think, too muddied um, and become too much like the world. But hmm. Christian education for me personally is not something I would ever send my child to because I want them to not learn certain things. It would be because I want them to be formed a particular way and actually learn so much about those things like evolution uh, or, or LGBTQ or, or whatever it may be. I'd want them to learn about those things and have very, very thoughtful responses to them. Um, and so I, that's, that's what I think Christian education should be doing, should be preparing kids for the world to have strong, biblical, faithful, thoughtful answers to uh to things maybe not even answers but sort of knowing this is where i would go with that and Mm. this is how i would i I will approach that so when they go off to college or into the world they will be prepared to be good listeners but also good strong thinkers yeah it it offers students a positive identity instead of not just yeah exactly instead of just the negative reactionary identity yes that says uh, we don't drink, we don't smoke, we don't talk about evolution or yeah. you know being gay or something. Yeah, uh, and so <laughs> oh, man, and, yeah. and and so that's for the world. Um, mm-hmm. And and there's no uh, there's nothing that's growing there. Mm-hmm. There's nothing positive coming uh, from that. It's uh, I'll occasionally use in my sermons the illustration of weeding and watering. Mm. So if all the is done is weeding is saying is defining ourselves by what we don't do yeah there's nothing growing in that garden exactly Um, everything is just torn out and yeah that's that's there in our community i would say um yeah it's going to be an that's just not critical of just ripon or um, where i grew up in the western suburbs of chicago but that's there in every christian community in a lot of ways this desire Mm -hmm. to be pharisaical Mm -hmm. to to just weed to pull out um Uh, all of the different sort of problems that we see. And so weeding is important, but watering and growing and giving that positive identity uh, has got to happen as well. I I just preached about that this past Sunday with the fruit of the spirit that is goodness, right? There should be goodness Mm -hmm. in a community, Um, not just an absence of evil, but (laughs) people doing what is good, what is beautiful, creating, um, you know, working in art and science and um, doing the best work that they could do at math and, and in languages mm-hmm. and so forth. So um, hmm. I, I, I think that the Christian community through Christian schools in a lot of ways can offer that positive vision, but um, we got to be militant in making sure that the positive vision is what's pushing forward instead yeah. of the negative identity of what we're not about. 
Yeah, yeah and if I, I'm sorry to jump in, if no. it's all right. No, 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 no but just to maybe to add a little bit to that, I, I wrote this quote down because I wanted to make sure I said it correctly. But this is something I've we um, Kevin Schenk and I have put in front of our teachers many times this year. Um, it's a quote from a book called Desiring the Kingdom by mm. James K.A. Smith. Mm-hmm. Desiring the Kingdom is a tough read. I don't know if you guys have, have read <laughs> I've it. I've read about half of it. <laughs> yeah. I've, I've read some pages four or five times and maybe kind of understood <laughs> yeah. what was I read said. You Are What You Love, which is sort of like the Spark Notes version. Yes, <laughs> yeah. So that's the book I would probably recommend um, if you want to get a lot of the similar thoughts, mm-hmm. right, as You Are What You Love, same author. Mm-hmm. But the quote that we've shared with our teachers is, is this. It's the primary goal of Christian education is the formation of a peculiar people. And we talked a lot about that word peculiar Mm. because a lot of times, you know, you ask the teachers or kids, what do you think of when you think peculiar? It's like, well, weird, Weird, right? Strange, not desired. Um, (laughs) Off in some way. Something not quite right there. But but really as Christians, we are called to be peculiar. Yeah. Like when people see us, they should notice something. I think not that's like just opposed to everything like you talked about, Mark, Mm -hmm. but we have a different. We have different desires. Like we see the world yeah. differently. We see our place in it differently. So the quote goes on to say, "People who desire the kingdom of God, and thus undertake their life's expression of that desire." And that hmm. that comes from First Peter two nine. This is from the King James. I like the way they phrase it because they say, "The Lord hath chosen thee to be a peculiar people unto Himself." Mm-hmm. Um, and again, what does that look like? And I think far too often, and I'm guilty of this too. Like, uh, I kind of like the comfortable life that I have in Ripon, right? Mm-hmm. I think our students, the, sort of the American dream, the comfortable <laughs> Christianity, mm-hmm. where we sort of live like everybody else, but maybe we have a thin veneer of Christianity over the top, right? Yeah. But that's not really peculiar. Mm-hmm. And my neighbor's gonna see me and not really know that I'm a believer, right? Mm-hmm. From that, I'm driving the same type of cars, I'm living the same way, I'm going on the same trips, you know, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, kind of along those lines that, Uh, Another passage that, again, we just talked about this with the faculty recently, that speaks to the same issue as Philippians 1, 9 through 11. Uh, I think this gets to the heart of Christian education, too. Uh, Paul says, this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. So when we think about our students in Christian school, like we want their love to abound more and more, right? Mm, we don't yeah. want that antagonistic relationship like across the gym in a basketball game where we're chanting those sorts of things at each yeah. other, right? Yeah. Uh, it was pretty horrendous. Though, you know say. what I mean? Like I we're, we're better it. than you kind yeah. of, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, if you were like us, you'd be here, but you're not. So that <laughs> right. kind of thing. So we want kids to, you know, their love to abound more and more. We want them to grow in their knowledge and depth of insight. That's where we talk about mm-hmm. some of those challenging issues in school. Mm-hmm. Uh, we want them to be able to discern then what is best, pure and blameless. And then ultimately we want them to be filled with the fruit of righteousness. And so mm. I kind of have that, I have that phrase in front of me or that passage in front of me in my office, trying to think about that mm. as much as I can during the day. So that's the uh, text that I read when I visit the hospital for visiting a new baby. Um, that's always the prayer that I pray with a family as they welcome a baby into the world is this is, this is the Christian family's mission. So the, to teach uh, that their love may abound more and more in depth of insight um, so that they are blameless. And so there's sort of a godly motivation. It's not a just a personal motivation. Our love may abound more and more in depth of insight. Oh, wow, and then my life will be pretty good. Um, but it's to be found blameless at the day of Christ. So um, 
that is, uh, yeah, it's a great verse. Uh, again, Philippians one. Um, it's a good quote. We could Jamie Smith has a lot of stuff on Christian education. I read, read a book of his once. I think it was published by like Calvin University Press or Calvin College Press or whatever it was back then. And it was on Christian education. I think I read it right before I moved to Ripon, actually. And mm. it was really insightful, really helpful. And that, that quote that you shared from Desiring the Kingdom, a different book, sort of summarizes in lots of ways what he says throughout that book. Um, yeah, which, he talks about liturgies a lot, right? And, and how so, we're shaping hearts and loves yep. and affections. And so that the liturgy question also gets into the question of Christian Christian education too, of yeah. that ru- the routine, just like I said earlier, of mm-hmm. singing, of praying, of yeah. scripture reading, of scripture memorization. Um, yeah. Hopefully those things are getting worked into the not just the schedules or routines of the students, but the soul, their souls, that, yeah. that this matters to, to know God's word. Are you um, saying that they need to be singing hymns in Spanish class? <laughs> well, I'd, it would be cool to learn them, I guess. Well, it's interesting. I, I, another, um, another Smith, uh, David Smith, who's a professor at Calvin, he hmm. has a book called On Teaching Christianly, which hmm. <clears throat> I have not read, but plan to read this summer. I've heard good hmm. things about it. But he, his background is in the languages. Um, okay. I think he's British in the background. He, he knows multiple mm. languages. He's taught French and German and other languages. Oh, wow. But one of the things he talks about is he, he realized um, when he was teaching uh, his language classes that almost everything the kids were being trained to say in class was very much about what they wanted. Like, I want, mm. or this is the, these are the colors I like, this is the food I like to eat, these are the mm. sports I enjoy. Yeah. It was very kind of egocentric, like mm. about me. And then it was funny, he said there was one chapter where it was about when you travel out of the country, like some helpful things. And it was a lot of the suggestions were like ways to complain in restaurants if they got their your order wrong, right? <laughs> so if you go to Germany, you could go to a restaurant and if your food wasn't prepared quite correctly, you could complain and send it back in German. <laughs> and his concern was like, even just in that curriculum, yeah. something wasn't quite right, right? Mm-hmm. Like there's no, there wasn't any like, teaching the kids how to say like, I forgive you, right? Or, or how are, you know, how can I help you sort of thing? It was more like, what can you do to help me? Yeah. Um, and the way he described it, I thought was interesting. He said, it's kind of like the practices sometimes in our schools, even our Christian schools, it's like if you're watching a, um, let's say you're watching a, a basketball game on TV, but the sound's off and, and the, the audio is of a, a soccer game. So you see the, you're seeing the basketball game, but the audio doesn't fit. And sometimes in our Christian schools, our practices are really pretty secular, mm. but we kind of try to cover them up with a, with a dialogue or an audio of mm. nice Christian phrases or verses from the Bible. And, and his point is like, we need to even look at like how we teach Spanish, like the mm. nuts and bolts of teaching these languages mm. and try to do them. And, and he, he says like, I don't necessarily have all the answers, but we need to, we need to get together. And, and, and one thing he said too, which I need to do at Rip and Christian, I think the teachers might actually like this, um, is instead of like an, having another meeting or more professional development, right? He said, give every teacher $10, tell them to go down to the coffee shop, order a coffee and a sandwich, sit down with their colleagues in like the history department and just talk for an hour about their craft of teaching. Mm. Here's how I, I'm studying this right now. Do you have any ideas for how I can teach the War of 1812, right? Mm-hmm. Or I taught this lesson. It just didn't hit the mark. Do you guys have any ideas? Um, you know, don't, don't spend your time expressing frustrations with students or, or administrators or mm. whatever it might be. But, like, these are kind of your broad parameters. And just mm. talk about teaching Christianly in mm. a casual kind of context. Um, and mm. I think some great things would come out of those conversations. Mm. So Yeah, a little bit of monetary investment going going a very long way right and and sometimes that's 
what it takes. It's like Google. Um, I know they offer their employees X amount of hours every week where they're just supposed to be creative. Like, don't just get your mm. task list done, mm-hmm. but just um, work on whatever you want to do. And that's how um, Google uh, Google Docs was invented. That's how a lot of all other Google products were invented by just getting out of the uh, yeah the context of the classroom, the task list, the email, and just talking with people. So yeah, I'd, I'd confirm the the value of that. But um, <laughs> I'm a little curious how uh, maybe shifting gears a little bit out of theology and the abstract into more of the the boots on the ground um, and how how Joe you work out certain things like I think of discipline issues what um, what is the connection between the school and the church and the family um, when when things just aren't going well in a student's life uh, you're you're aware of uh, some issues I, not just academic of course but personal Um how do you think a pastor or church or even just a fellow church member can come along, a student is there, but at the same time guard privacy, right, um, of students who are going through difficult things? How do you navigate some of those complicated things? Yeah, <clears throat> I would say we're, we're wrestling through a lot yeah. of those issues at Rip and Christian right now or in other schools where I've worked at, but um, the reality is the effects of sin, the effects of the fall are alive and well in the hallways mm-hmm. of every Christian school, right? Mm-hmm. So there's there's going to be tension, there's going to be mistakes. Students are not always going to get along with each other. Um, teachers and students are going to have conflicts. Parents mm-hmm. are going to sometimes lose confidence in teachers, and and, and there's a lot to there's a lot to process through. Yeah. But I, I think you know one of the beautiful things about working in a Christian school is we do also believe in principles from the Bible of forgiveness and restoration, and so we. Mm-hmm. We don't just seek to punish. Mm. Some students might feel that way sometimes, <laughs> right? <clears throat> I just, I got, I just got a behavioral, or I got a detention, or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. But hopefully, that that discipline, just like discipline in the home, is always accompanied by efforts for restoration, like to to acknowledge wrong, um, to make restitution if necessary. It always involves the parents, you know. So I was a teacher for a long time, and. I always told the students, like, look, I'm, I'm up here in front of you kind of in the place of your parents, right? Mm-hmm. It, um, I have a delegated authority because sometimes they would ask me, like, if a kid did something wrong in class, well, are you going to tell my, are you going to call my mom? Are you going to call my dad? And it depended, but oftentimes, <laughs> yeah. yes. Like, yeah. they, they probably need to know that yeah. this yeah. is going on. They, they, I don't want to hold that back from your parents mm-hmm. uh, because we're trying to work together. So, you know, in these, in these situations, like, I'm always very quick to let the parents know what's going on. In mm-hmm. fact, one of the best pieces of advice I was given in administration was you need to beat the story home. So don't wait for Johnny to go home and tell his mom and dad mm. that they should hear from you first. And mm-hmm. I found that when that happens, generally the outcome is more positive <laughs> sure. in terms of cooperation between home and school and that sort yeah. of thing. Um, and then sometimes we have involved the church. It, mm. it just kind of depends. Like there are times where a, a student who's struggling with something has a, a good relationship with a pastor or a youth pastor. Mm-hmm. And we may set up a time just, we don't typically involve the the pastor or youth pastor in like the discipline per se, mm-hmm. but it's more like, you know, you're going to, you're going to sit down and you're going to meet with your youth pastor to kind of talk about this mm-hmm. or yeah. the youth pastor. You're going to arrange a series of just conversations. Uh, those kind of things I, I think are very, very 
helpful. Um, mm-hmm. We're still kind of thinking through that, though. You know, yeah. we, we, we do offer some counseling services at RC as well. So sometimes yeah. that's part of the process. Like you're going to go you're going to go meet with the counselor, uh, maybe just one time but maybe it's going to be more than that. Maybe it's going to become an ongoing thing, mm-hmm. but we definitely want the parents involved and in the loop with these, these things too. So, mm-hmm. Well, and that's one thing that is very peculiar, I would guess, about a school like Rip and Christian where you guys are aware at the school of what churches <laughs> all of the students go to. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, talk about peculiar in our culture today to, for <laughs> administration to know where the students go to church and have often connections to that like you're here at mm-hmm. almond valley where we have a lot of teachers at our church and i, I, I just think about that seamlessness again mm-hmm. of students who uh serve alongside um a, a teacher you know a history teacher collecting the offering from them on sunday and then teaching them you know the <laughs> next day on monday or grading mm-hmm. a paper and and <laughs> that has some potential, I guess, to go to go wrong, right? Because um, sometimes there could be conflict that could then infect a few different places. But mm. on the positive side, it can go so right where there's just that seamlessness where I know you, um, the teacher sees the parents at church right. um, quite often or mm. at school functions, at other things, and, and there's this tight-knit group instead of um, the school kind of existing in its own world, which... It, a little bit more of my interpretation of a secular approach that the school has its authority and its its realm and then the students are at home and then they just sort of do whatever and, and they're they're out of the jurisdiction of the school it's 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 more holistic I yeah suppose. something i'm curious about uh maybe as we wrap things up a little bit um unless you guys have other topics you want to touch on uh just something i would be interested like what are some things you've been here for three years where are some directions you want to see mm. the school go? Uh, I know it's not all up to you, uh, but uh, what are some some you areas? Wave you, your magic you, wand. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> just I'm thinking if any parents are listening, anybody from our community is listening and thinking about Ripon Christian, uh, maybe they're interested about what direction is Ripon Christian mm-hmm. is it heading? Um, are there going to be any big changes on the on the horizon, or is it going to just be continuing to to uh, keep going in the same direction or or anything like that so what are some of your your thoughts on the next five years or so of ripping christian yeah so you're right it's it's um it's not just my decision so there might be some things i would say we really need to do but i also work under the authority of a superintendent and school board mm-hmm. that really the in the school board really is entrusted with the overall vision of the school right so they they they're tasked with a lot of the visioning and then as an administrator, I'm kind of the boots on the ground, right, yeah. to kind of make sure these things happen. So, <clears throat> you know, I don't anticipate any any huge changes. I mean, Rip and Christian yeah. has been around for over 90 years. Um, mm-hmm. Generational support is incredible. You see yeah. students' parents and grandparents went to the school. They love the school. They're remarkably patient with the school. And there's <laughs> that. I mean, I really, I've benefited from that personally, just in my work here. There's just, there's a willingness to forgive and, and, and extend the benefit of the doubt that maybe wouldn't exist elsewhere where there can be more combativeness between the home and the school. Mm-hmm. So overall, we have parents that are like extremely supportive, which I, <clears throat> which I greatly enjoy and appreciate. Mm-hmm. I think a couple things that, that we are looking at. One is, I think, just uh, trying to be a little bit more focused or intentional about running everything we do through the mission statement of the school. Mm-hmm. Um, so number one, 
making the mission statement more visible to our students, to our teachers, to our constituency. And then I think looking at what we do and asking maybe, because we're all so busy, so the tyranny of the urgent sometimes keeps you from really thinking through things. Well, we've just always done this, so we're just going to keep doing it. Well, does it really fit with the mission, or Hmm. is it just something we do because maybe we think a school's supposed to do this, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So I think looking a little bit more closely at our mission and how it applies to certain things that we do, like the way we teach in the classroom. So we've got a, a professional development initiative right now at Ripon Christian called Teaching for Transformation. Mm-hmm. So uh, what that simply refers to is just a framework for our teachers to make sure that all their practices in the classroom are kind of, I don't want to say run through a grid, but kind of a framework that keeps them focused on the mission. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're, we're kind of in the midst of that initiative right now. I think you're going to start seeing it bear fruit here in the next couple of years. But I think that has implications not just for the classroom, but also for co-curriculars, for athletics. I think we need mm. to, we, we're, we do very well in athletics, but sometimes I don't know if we always think very critically about the place of athletics in a Christian school and mm. how mm-hmm. are, how is what we're doing distinct, right? Or peculiar, yeah, yeah. you might say. Yeah. That's um, often where other schools have the most interaction with you. And that's right. So, so for athletics. example, like... Um, we have we have guests on our campus for these events. So how are they received when they come on campus, like the spectators, but also yeah, right. the, the athletes? Um, right. What are our expectations for the conduct of our athletes, uh, our, our fans in the stands, our parents? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, I love sports, and sometimes I can lose my mind when I'm involved in sports. Well, mm-hmm. how do we kind of work with people like myself who are very competitive? And, yeah. But yet also... <laughs> You know, when people come to our football games, there's this big cross on the field. Like, (laughs) how is what we're doing reflective of that, right? It says Christian right across our chest. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It could be bearing the name of the Lord's Lord's name in vain, essentially. Third commandment. Third commandment. Absolutely. Yeah. So I think think just kind of maybe just taking another look at some of these practices, I think Mm. continuing to engage our parents in discussions um, about kind of the why of Christian education and, and um, maybe doing a little bit more with with some of that parent education, mm-hmm. I think, mm-hmm. as we go forward. So again, it's not just, well, I went to RC and I had an overall good experience, but like, yeah. how can I, uh, costs are always going up. So mm-hmm. how can I, I guess, justify the expense of yeah. sending my kid there when there are good public school options in this yep. area, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's important too. Yeah. Well, when I talk with um, young families, so I as a pastor, before I'll baptize a child, I'll always visit with the family, and um, part of that conversation centers around Christian education. And um, we look at the the vows, like um, what we what you've said uh, earlier, Joe, of covenanting to do all in your power to raise them in the way of Christ. And that doesn't necessarily have to include Christian school. It could be homeschool. It could be public school, um, but. Uh, at the same time, um, really encouraging people to think through and, and, and to encourage them, I'll often say, don't just look at the what it costs. Think of what it costs not to do it. Um, and um, there are there's an increasing divide, I would say, between um, a secular education um, and uh, and what ch- children will receive every day in a Christian context. Now, I don't. I wouldn't want to impugn our public school teachers. We have a, a quite a few public school teachers actually who are members of our church, and I know that they bring their their Christian framework as much as they possibly can into their classroom and into administration. Um, 
I'm really impressed actually by by those teachers and administrators who are part of our church. Mm-hmm. Um, but that is uh, becoming increasingly difficult. I think people are recognizing, especially in California. Mm-hmm. Uh, my wife is Canadian and British Columbia. They're probably ahead of us in a lot of ways, particularly with some of the LGBT and gender questioning practices of the classroom. And so what are you, we asked what does it cost to send your children to Christian school, but what does it cost to not do it um, in terms of the things that they'll learn? Um, I know what we have friends it's a little bit anecdotal, but I think it's kind of eye-opening. We have friends in Linden, Washington. Um, and so Linden is very, uh, it's a lot like Ripon or Sioux Center or uh, Holland, you know, all these sort of places where people think, oh, well, you know, maybe we are exceptional in our uh, public school system because there are so many Christian people, Christian teachers working, and, and it could be exceptional to some degree, but Again, uh, yeah, we have these friends. He's a he's a teacher at Linden High, and has said, "I have I have a colleague who it's their express goal to ruin the faith of the Christian students who come to this school." Um, often, it's in contexts like ours where there would be a little bit more animosity, maybe even towards, "Oh, that kid yeah. um, that comes, you know, maybe that went to RC for K through eight or something, and now is at the the high school." I don't know if that's happening or not at, at Ripon High or at any other school, but that that just struck me thinking, this person has more influence. They are with these students more than their own parents are. Mm-hmm. Um, and the likelihood that that's happening in a lot of different contexts is, is increasing, I would say, um, hmm. as Christians become more peculiar um, and as we're recognized as being peculiar, um, then there, I think, will be some of that animosity that we should need to be realistic about at times. And so that isn't to scare people into it, but it is to say, you know, we should have our eyes open about these things. Yeah, one, one other thing I would kind of add to that, I, I, I had a great uh, teacher at my previous school. She always said to parents, you can't afford not to send your kids. Mm. That was kind of the way she phrased it, like, because it is, it is a, obviously a, a challenge for yeah. families. Um, mm-hmm. But... Um, yeah, I think I think those things are are, are really important, and uh, I continue to be very thankful that my own parents made that uh, that made that decision for me to send me to a Christian school, um, and and glad that I can do that for my own children too. So, hmm. yeah, it seems to me that if you are only sending your kid to a Christian school for the, the negative reasons, for the because they're not learning X, Y, or Z. Is it is that really worth it? <laughs> yeah, is that right, really worth right, the the, yeah. the money it that, prob- that it costs? Yeah, it probably. Eventually, that may be, sort yeah. of not be a good enough reason. Yeah. Uh, but if you're sending your child for all of the right reasons, then that whole question of is it worth it becomes a little bit easier to answer. Yeah, I think so. Well, uh, unless there's anything else to yeah. say, I think it's been really uh, helpful. It's been really enjoyable having you on, Joe. Thanks for taking the time out of your your workday to come and be with us and to bless us with your faithful presence yeah. uh, on the episode here. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'd, I'd in future, like even thinking into the summer, it would be interesting to talk again about particularly like Christian sport, like sports, yeah. how, how important sports are for yeah. uh, young people in our culture um, being an administrator, uh, maybe we could get uh, some other on. people, yeah, Kevin some other uh, <laughs> other administrators too, to comment on the value of sports mm-hmm. in in teaching uh, children, you know, teamwork and stick to itiveness and courage yeah. and all those things, but uh, also 
keeping our eyes open as Christians about um, the ultimate value, right? Physical training mm-hmm. is of some use, but yeah. training in godliness is of, of eternal use. And so um, anyways, uh, well, I do appreciate, Joe, all of the, yeah. the very wise words that you've shared. And hopefully our listeners have appreciated that as well. And so let us know. Uh, what you've thought about the episode and um, what your experiences. Maybe a lot of our listeners have had experiences outside, uh, maybe in public schools, of really good things that have happened there, um, or of Christian schools uh, on the good side or the bad side. So it would be good to to dialogue about these things and, and work them out in community. So, yeah, so as always, we will look forward to hearing from you. And until next week, God bless you all. All right, bye.